0: If you've gotten anything at all out of the following Christ, if his, love ha- if his love had made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Ciao, sir. Good job, sir. You had to see that coming, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, we, we just talked about it. But that, that song, is, it's always been so catchy, and hopefully it's in your head. Hopefully I hear you singing it later today. Uh, like Mike, if I could... Hopefully. Um, if you grew up in the early 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s, um, man, you probably have heard that song. You probably sang along to that song. Uh, you probably know who Michael Jordan is. Um, also around that era were a few Christian bands who liked to take popular, secular songs, songs that weren't necessarily about the love of God, and they would remake them. Um, they did that to, like Mike, do you want to, do you want to hear it? <laughs> like Christ, if I could, really simple, um, <laughs> really simple. This is our, our final week, um, I think. Uh, Jake, I was pretty confident that this was the final week of our Tove series. Uh, The Good Church, uh, man, good God, good grace, uh, just good, um, How God Has Made It uh, series. And he invited me, uh, asked me this morning if I would head uh, the direction of Christ-likeness. Are we being nurtured uh, into Tove? Are we in an environment where we live, where we work, where we dwell Uh, that's transforming us to look more and more like Jesus, has empathy found its way into every part of our lives, especially those people that God puts in front of us. So our direction this morning is very simple. Uh, The way of Jesus, um, being like Christ, it is the cross-bearing life. So if you want to be like Jesus, you have to surrender to Jesus. For the sake of others that 's what it 's about, and that seems to be the heart of all scripture, and it 's going to be where we focus our time together this morning. so if you would uh, i 'd like to pray i know we 've been praying for church families around our community, and this morning i 'd like to pray for other student ministries in town and surrounding town, so that you 'll hear that in our prayer time but let 's just uh, go before the throne together, Father of all mercy. Um, You know our hearts, you know our minds, you know the acts of all your people. God, you know all and you reveal your truth in Christ. Give us this morning, your people, a deep knowledge of your gospel, which unmasks our pretenses, our quest for power, our sins, and help us to know the truth of your grace, which transforms us into Christ likeness. God, I want to lift up the other student ministries in town. I'm thinking of the the Catholic Church, God. Thinking of the River. I'm thinking of the Abundant Life. I'm thinking of Central Baptist and First Baptist. I'm thinking of the Methodist Church family, First Christian, the Presbyterian Church. Father. Thinking of the teenagers that meet there, the adults that surround them. God, may their ministries flourish. God, may. Their teenagers find relationship with you that changes the way they live at school, the way they live at home, and just alters their direction in life because they've met with you, God. May these churches be places where kids and families find home and relationship with you, God. Nurture us all today into looking more like you. In Jesus' name we say, amen. In uh, 2016, 2016, Uh, There was this man Uh, He boarded this train Or subway train in Vancouver, Canada And immediately uh, About the time that he stepped onto the subway Started shouting and cursing And and, uh, doing all these erratic movements Whether he was on drugs or mentally ill is unclear He just scared all the other passengers So much that everybody had kind of shrunk back into this corner Except this one lady uh, the 70-year-old lady reached out her hand and just held his hand, just grabbed his hand and held it. And in a moment, his demeanor went from shouting, cursing, yelling. He immediately shrunk down to the ground, shoulders up, and tears filled his eyes. This went on for a little while as they drove, and then it could have been the next stop, but... It could have been his stop, I don't know, but he just, the next stop, doors open, he got up, thanked the lady, and then walked off the train. One of the passengers, Ehab Taha, happened to be there, happened to have a smart device, like 99.9% people, snapped a quick picture, as you see here and said about this because he posted it to a, a social media outlet and it, it spread like wildfire in a drought. Like it just went everywhere. It went viral, uh, crazy. He said later that it was just incredible how quickly this man calmed down in a split second to go from incredibly angry, mad, aggressive, not sure what's about to happen next to on the floor uh, filled with tears. He said it was the most touching thing that I've I've ever seen. Later, same year, 2016, the Florida State Seminoles um, went to visit a middle school, Mont- Montford Middle School, Tallahassee, near the school. And they just wanted to reach out, have time with, with kids in their community. Um, and so the, the football team headed there. This is Travis Rudolph. He is a wide receiver, or was a wide receiver uh, for the, the Seminoles. And he saw this this kid, and that's Bo Paskey, uh, sitting alone As apparently he did most days, he has a form of autism that causes him to to react, say things very loudly, and so he sits alone most days. But um, Travis just simply went up to Bo and said, hey, can I have lunch with you? Bo says, sure, why not? One of Bo's mother's friends took a quick picture, put it on her social media, and very quickly it too spread. It went viral, Uh, to which later Bo's mother responded. She said, I'm not sure What caused this kind young man to have lunch with my son? But I'm sure glad that he did. And it's something that will not soon be forgotten. I didn't have to worry for at least one day if my son was going to eat school or eat lunch um, alone. Now, these are just a quick few stories of kindness among, I'm sure, hopefully, prayerfully, thousands upon thousands they continue to capture just our imaginations. Kindness is viral. And I don't know, perhaps it's because small acts of kindness are uncommon or rare. But I really just don't think that that's the case. I think we're surrounded by small acts of kindness. Gifts that we give strangers and gifts that we receive from them. No, I think these stories of kindness go viral because they remind us of who we want to be and the kind of world that we want to live in uh, as followers uh, of the way. See, it seems that the small, um, the insignificant, and the trivial is where we need to focus. And why do you say that, Barry? It's because that's where Jesus came into, uh, and that's where we would still find Jesus. So this morning, I don't know if this is a practical culture shift. I don't, I don't know how you want to take it. I'm just saying here's a little shift that we could make where we focus on the small and we focus on the insignificant and where we focus on the trivial because it might just be uh, the revolution that we're all looking for. And it might be how we can get a grasp this morning on what is it to be Christ-like Uh, Because that's the life that Jesus has invited us um, all to follow. So imagine with me uh, what it would be like if we as followers of Jesus for, I don't know, a significant amount of time. I wanted to say a year, um, but that just seems daunting. So what if for just like a couple months, um, we gave up trying to love the world. Um, And instead, we commit ourselves uh, to practicing kindness. So we're going to be kinder on our social media, kinder with those that we work with, kinder with our family, kinder with our friends, kinder with everyone standing with us in the line at the grocery store. I think a year or several months or a long period of time of of practicing kindness would absolutely revolutionize the way that we get to witness to the world. We'd become a lot more loving in the process. See, spiritual uh, or kindness isn't really a spiritual idea, uh, ideal or, or aspiration. Kindness is a behavior, and it causes us, uh, man, it causes us to lean in when others would lean away. It's, like, it's the behavior like taking the hand of a scary man on a subway uh, or eating lunch with somebody who's sitting alone or welcoming um, people who've come to this country, whether they're illegal or not, um, or a woman wearing a hijab to a group, it's welcoming those people to whatever setting uh, we can to. Kindness is what attracts us so much to Jesus. And if we want to be like him, if we want to be (laughs) Christ-like, and that's exactly where we start. But before we can move further... Uh, There's some things that we need to be honest with about ourselves. Um, Anytime in scripture where Jesus encountered people who said, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm ready to follow. He would help them to get an honest look at at where they really were. So sometimes buildings that are built need to be torn down to be redone. Sometimes things that are completely full need to be emptied uh, so that they can be filled. So. Um, I wanted us just to deconstruct for a moment this morning um, So that hopefully scripture can fall on our hearts a little differently So I'm going to say it in a very difficult way We are calloused uh, towards neediness and towards failure Because we're calloused because we're blinded to the fact that we too are needy And we too are vulnerable We lack empathy for people who lack health insurance until we find ourselves without health insurance. We judge the unemployed until that moment we're out looking for a job. We judge the divorced right up to the point where we're filing for our own. We judge the addicted uh, right up to the the point that we find ourselves checking in uh, to a rehab center. This, This will to be empathetic or to... This fortitude, this, this desire to embrace flows out of empathy. It flows out of compassion. And, and compassion flows out of recognition of our own weakness, that we're vulnerable and that we too have needs. Um, in Luke, you can't really see that. Luke chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, want to go with us. Um, Jesus' disciples are, are hungry. Um, so they picked some grain uh, in the fields to eat. Trouble was, it was Sabbath day. So the Pharisees wagged their fingers. Jesus, why are your followers breaking the Sabbath? Why are they doing such a thing that he should know better? Right after that, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus enters into a synagogue, begins to teach where he finds a man uh, with a physical deformity. He has a withered hand, but again, it is the Sabbath. So the Pharisees want to see if Jesus will violate the Sabbath to perform a healing. And Jesus gets angry. And then he asks a very interesting question. You'll see it there. How many of you, if your sheep fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, wouldn't pull it out? The point of Jesus's question is economic. Uh, Sheep are not pets. Sheep meant dollars. The Pharisees would go after the sheep, even if it happened to be the Sabbath day, because their incomes were being affected. A modern spin on this story Jesus is telling is how many of you, if you dropped your wallet, dropped your phone, dropped your purse on the Sabbath, wouldn't stop uh, to pick it up? Jesus is making a point about need and about empathy. The Pharisees judge the men in the grain field because, well, the Pharisees are well fed. The Pharisees don't see the man with the deformity because they're whole and they can provide for their families. The Pharisees lack empathy because in that snapshot moment of their life, they think that they have provided, that they are taken care of. So Jesus points out to them, you lack compassion for this man because you can't see your own need. And just like the Pharisees, I am saying that I, you can come with me if you want, but I lack empathy for the needs of others because I don't admit I don't embrace the fact that I'm too invulnerable. It's easy to judge the needs of others until we find ourselves needing a doctor, needing a job, or a car, a few bucks to pay rent. We're callous because we think we're immune to loss and failure. But Jesus reminds us of a one little dirty secret. We're all needy, we're all vulnerable. So be kind and compassionate because one day it's going to be your sheep that is in the crack, that is in the ditch. All right. That said, look at ourselves. To be like Christ, what do we want to do? We want to look what kindness means. We want to be able to look honestly at ourselves. Something that just kept always has come up when you say, hey, what is it to be Christ like? What is it to be like God? People always talk about forgiveness. So I wanted to look there today too. Um, Have you ever considered, and I I know you have, but have you ever looked a little deeper at what Jesus was saying when he referred to forgiveness? Um, Where we're gonna head right now is Luke 6, verse 27. When Jesus is talking about forgiveness here, he's not talking about sentimentality. He's talking about concrete action. Consider his words here. To you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. Anytime that Jesus starts a teaching by saying, anyone who will listen, um, understand that he is about to say something so controversial, so offensive. That it's about to be in the most life-giving way. So in this brief passage of, in the Gospel of Luke, a lot's going on there. Some call it the Sermon on the Plain where he's saying a lot of things that he said in the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, listen to these things that he said. First, he says love. And granted, we have all sorts of images that pop up into our head when we say the word love. Most of them revolve around our feelings. Um, and the word translated as love in this passage, however, uh, is light years Galaxies, whatever, it's far, far away uh, from sentimentality. For Jesus, love is an action oriented, sacrificial, work up a sweat commitment to do what's right for another person. This kind of love proves itself uh, in a willingness to give even when it starts to hurt. Do good. Uh, The word translated here as good. In this passage, it's tied to the Greek word kalos, uh, which carries with it this idea of pursuing what is right and beautiful. So when Jesus talks about doing good, he is describing a kind of life in which we make right what is wrong. It's a life centered on bringing beauty uh, to what's been marred and what's been broken. Bless, uh, the idea of blessing someone, pretty straightforward. Um, it's a translation of the Greek word yuleogo, which literally means to speak good words Uh, about someone to someone pray for new testament the word pray is tied uh, to well-wishing in the context of this passage um, when jesus tells us to pray he is talking about our desiring the best for someone we desire god's favor for the people we pray for wanting them to flourish and i know if i took a poll right now everybody would say yes Loving, doing good, blessing, praying are all excellent ways to be Christ-like, excellent ways to live. But the tension comes when Jesus, or who Jesus says should be the recipient of these actions. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who, who hurt you. So ask yourself this morning, who is your enemy? And I realize that this is difficult because we don't really have this picture of this villain. We're not battling a super supervillain uh, in our life. Most of us aren't anyway. But when Jesus refers to our enemies, he's talking about something much more common, uh, something much more ordinary. As, as he uses the term here, an enemy is anyone who has taken something from you. Uh, this could be anything from taking your parking spot at the mall during the holidays, or your Walmart pickup, they pull into, or your Chick Fil A pickup, um, it could be taking your innocence. It could be taking your time and wasting it, taking advantage of your trust. It might be taking a shot at your character, taking a shot at your wife or your spouse's character. So I ask you again, who's your enemy? who Who has wronged you? Who's wounded you? Who's hated you? Who's made it a point to be cruel to you? who's mocked you, who's embarrassed you, who's gossiped about you, who's trashed your reputation, who has used you, who's broken your trust, who in your life always takes and never gives. Now that you may have a face and a name in mind, consider how deeply challenging Jesus' words are if you want to be like him. Love them with the kind of love that makes sacrifices. Bring beauty to their lives, setting right what was wrong. Speak good words about them. And when you talk to God, ask him to make their lives flourish. You can probably see why Jesus started um, this little particular part with, to those of you willing to listen, there's nothing easy about forgiveness. Even grace seems to take grit. All right, so to be like Christ, bless you, uh, carries with, I mean, it carries with so many things. You've got kindness, you've got empathy, you've got a willingness to, like Jake told us, I mean, to, to put yourselves in their shoes, to be a blessing, to pray for those. Um, the writer of Luke, um, the gospel writer Luke, as he does in Acts, um, as many other Biblical writers do. They, they've they organized scripture and stories and parables and Jesus' teaching in such a way that you get taught and then you see practical application. You get to see, all right, that's great. Well, how does that look like? And so Luke 6, there's a lot of teaching, but then Luke chapter 7, there's story after story of Jesus out in his community. And today I would like to land there, not only because this is my wife's favorite, uh, I don't know, particular portion of scripture, scripture or story in scripture, but just because I don't know. I just want you to draw some conclusions and just leave it with you uh, today. But Luke chapter 7, uh, beginning and around uh, verse 37, uh, Jesus is invited to a party, a party by a Pharisee. Uh, we find out that his name is Simon. Um, and there's no indication uh, that in, in this invitation that there's any form of trap, um, but there's also no indication that Simon considers Jesus to be socially equal with him. I mean, you can tell pretty quickly as you read through this story why not. But, um, of course, they would have had a lot in common, the Pharisees and Jesus. They both loved the law. They loved the Torah. They loved the law of Moses. They loved Scripture. Jesus loved Scripture. They loved Scripture. And so Simon probably invites Jesus, and this is speculation, um, just because he's gaining popularity in the region He just wants to meet this this curious, questionable celebrity So I mean, the day of the invite comes, Jesus attends um, And a party in those days was probably a little different than what we know of parties um, Imagine open courtyard type thing Even if you didn't get an invitation to the party, you could still show up Now you couldn't come in but you could stand on the street, you could stand in the courtyard with the open windows, and you could hear conversation. You could hear people laughing. You could probably get in on some inside jokes. Um, so it was a very public event. Um, the guest would have sat at an 18-inch table. So imagine 18 inches table, and you would lie down on, on your arm, eat with one hand while your feet uh, were out so that the servants could come by and wash uh, the feet. And if you looked at it from above, I guess it would kind of look like a star. All right, so sometime in the party, uh, there's this woman who enters. And Luke calls this woman uh, a a sinful woman. Uh, Some of your other gospel stories give her a name, but I'll let you study that out. Um, You probably already know. But she enters in. She doesn't stay out in the street. Uh, She doesn't stay in the courtyard. She comes right in, right to the guest table, right to the feet of Jesus. And just begins to weep, so much so that Jesus, after walking all day, and this is what I told you about. Remember, I don't think Simon saw Jesus as this social equal, because when a guest would arrive, the first thing you did was you would wash. Well, first thing you did, you'd kiss their cheek. You would welcome them. Second of all, your your servants would would wash their feet, and anoint them with oil, so that at supper they'd smell good. Jesus hasn't had this done yet. And so this woman is just weeping, just crying so much so that she's able to wash a day's worth of dirt and sweat and grime off of his feet. And she has no towel, so she begins to use her hair, which is down, which also was forbidden. Only temple prostitutes would wear their hair down in public. So she begins to use her her hair to dry Jesus's feet. And as she came in, she has this alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. She breaks it open and anoints Jesus. Obviously, Jesus has flunked Simon's test. He starts to reason to himself and those around him. If Jesus really knew who this woman was... He wouldn't let this happen. He would know what kind of manner of woman was at his feet, as you see all through Scripture. Jesus knows what Simon's thinking, so Jesus simply asked him a question. Uh, well, he first, ask if he can ask Simon a question. Simon says, "Sure." Okay, fire away. You can hear the doubt and speculation in in his voice, or at least I do when I read. Uh, maybe you don't. But that's okay. There's a certain money lender. He gave, we'll just kind of figure it out in our own terms, gave $900,000 to this one person. And to this other person, he gave I don't know, $9,000. Well, when it came time to pay up, neither of these men had the money to pay anything. This money lender sees this and says, I see that none of you can pay your debt, so I'm just going to cancel your debt, don't worry about it, you're free. You're de- no, more, no more payment, don't live, you don't have to worry about it, I'm not coming after your family, nothing, you're free. Jesus asked Simon, who will love me more? And Simon says, well, I guess the one that had more of their debt forgiven. Then in verse 44 of Luke chapter 7, Jesus says, See this woman, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You greeted me with no kiss, but she has not ceased from kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with this perfume. So I say, her sins, which are a lot, have been canceled, forgiven. In verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, oh, it's verse 48, sorry. And he said to your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And he said to this woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Oh, to be like Christ. Living out the life of Christ in small and what can be seen as insignificant and trivial ways, it is. It is to love the Bopascis of the world or those sitting alone at lunch tables or the angry folks on public transportation or those marginalized by society, those who have hurt, those who have wronged you, those who don't stand when an anthem is played, those who have come to this country illegally or not, um, who may have a spouse of the same gender, who are a different color than you, not nearly as privileged as you or sin differently you. To be like Christ is to let your love fall everywhere that it can without just, just the way that God does his love. Without consideration. He just, it's just what we do. It's who we become. That's how we become like Christ. And it, and it will be frustrating. <laughs> it will be difficult. But it will be in the most life-giving, beneficial way. As God turns you into something that used to be good. You understand we were, we were created good, right? It's sin that's messed that up. And somehow God is leading us back. Not in some future kingdom. Yes, there. But God wants heaven now. God wants kingdom on earth now. God wants you to be living icons, people who looks so much like Jesus. That people can't can't help but take notice. They may not like you. You don't like me sometimes, most of the time. But oh my goodness, as we were shaped into the image of Jesus, how much it lives into what God created us for. Normally I would like to close in a way of like, Here's the way I'd like you to take this scripture. And here's what I don't. I don't want to do that today. just want to let you just let that to sit on your hearts. And whether you talk about that in life group or later. Uh, trust the spirit to move and work in that. But I do want to pray over you. Um, and then, man if. If you have. I know we always offer this front row. Like hey guys y'all sounded beautiful this morning. When y'all worshiped. That's cool. Um, proud of y'all. Proud of people struggling that like I don't know if I want to sit in this and then coming up front there's a lot of cool things going on this morning um, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear what the spirit is doing so, Father I just ask a blessing over this church family uh, God if we remove all the, the fluff all the, the hardness that we've put between you God I'm just thinking of yesterday when I was mean to my own family we just want to be like you That is our heart. The deepest part of our heart is just being Christ-like. And make that make sense to our our children. Help them to see you, Father. Help our teenagers to get a grasp of that, how important that is for not only their school, but their families. Help our parents to see how deeply important it is to be Christ-like. So that together, Father, for the sake of others, for your sake, God, we just want to glorify you. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your Spirit's doing. Shape us into that Christ-likeness, to that good church that you want. Not so people will applaud us, God. Who cares about us? But so that your kingdom may be known, Father. All those who agree, say amen. If you would stand, uh, we'll sing together. And the sermon is yours.